How's it going, folks? Blind Bargains, cast 212. I had a whole intro done for a 211 that none of you heard. Because, uh, well, we kind of had to slip an Apple show in the middle of all that. So, you know, we kind of like to rearrange around here sometimes. So, it's really hot around here. I'm still working on getting an air conditioner in this house. So, I have windows open, I have fans running, and I don't care. Yeah, you can hear them in the background. Tough. <laughs> you know, it's 90 degrees around here right now. So, this is how we're going to do it. So, um, you know, a little extra fan noise. Not coming from your computer, it won't hurt uh but thankfully that's only for the intro and the outro the things i recorded earlier you might be a fan of but uh, they were recorded in a little quieter environment so a new version of windows came out a couple months ago it's actually called the uh 202004 update even though it came out in june well there's a few new features in there we want to play with but one that's really interesting that they've enhanced over time is virtual desktops what are virtual desktops we'll get into that in just a little bit Jared Reimer is on a little bit later on to talk about Braille 2000. Uh, we talked about Braille 2000, a uh, product of Computer Application Specialties Corp. in 2010. And at that point, at CSUN, I was a bit miffed to find out that it wasn't really accessible with screen readers. What? Braille translation software not accessible with screen readers? Well, that's changed thanks to Jared working with Braille 2000. We'll talk about that and have a little demo a little later on. Also, one of the biggest products that AT Guys has had lately is a new USB headset microphone. If you're on Zoom and you want to sound better, and I hope you do, we have a demo coming up a little bit later on of the V7 USB headset microphone. I think you'll like it. Very affordable, comfortable, and has a pretty decent sound for the price. If you missed all of our Apple talk and you want to hear about what we think on the iOS 14 update and the iPhone, whatever they're coming up with, or the new Mac stuff, myself, Joe, and Jamie Pauls are back on episode 211. That's the one previous to this. So go back in the archives of one episode and you can grab episode 211. Uh, the one before that was Joe and Ricky talking about a bunch of products that are now discontinued. Hey, did you hear the fireworks in the background? It's 4th of July week. There you go. <laughs> but yes, uh, Ambios and uh, Bose and other stuff in episode 210. So if you want your next product to be discontinued, have Joe and Ricky review it for an upcoming podcast. We don't know what's coming up beyond this one. Um, we have virtual convention stuff coming up into July. So um, we'll kind of keep an eye on that. And uh, so definitely uh, check us out. We'll have more to post on the Blind Bargains website where you can find us online doing lots of virtual demos on Zoom and other places so definitely stay tuned for that also pre-orders going on now for the orbit reader 20 plus that's the new 20 cell braille display with upgraded features from orbit research with braille translation and a clock and a calendar things like that the orbit reader 40 with vibration feedback and all of the above and cursor routing keys and the 99 dollars orbit writer braille bluetooth keyboard so that is a bluetooth keyboard with Perkins Braille input. So in other words, a Braille display without the display. And you can connect it wirelessly or USB to your computer or mobile device. That's going to be around the end of July. But you can pre-order those now all at atguys.com. Definitely check out the Blind Bargains website for all the latest stuff. Uh, some interesting new articles and things going up there as well. So we encourage you to stick on the website blindbargains.com for all of that. Now, without further ado, let's uh, talk a little bit about virtual desktops. So 
the Windows 10 2004 update was recently released. Uh, don't get me started on why it's the 2004 update. And it was released in June while there was some delays. And Microsoft is no longer going to name them like that. Any rate, the Windows 2004 update is out. So the first of the two major updates of the 2020 season. And if you go to blindbargains.com, we have instructions and a list of features and info on how to get that if you have not automatically been upgraded already. It's not as big of an update as some of the others. A lot of small bug fixes and improvements, some new stuff in Narrator, and another enhancement to a feature called virtual desktops. So 10 July, actually, we're talking about this, and she's working on a piece for Blind Bargains on virtual desktops which got me to thinking that's a feature that's really been enhanced quite a bit over time. And I don't think it's a lot of notice. So I wanted to kind of go in a bit on how that works. I'm not even using them myself yet, but as the more the features get added in, I'm thinking, wow, I really should be using virtual desktops. So maybe I'll be inspired or you'll be inspired to come up with reasons to use the virtual desktop feature. So Here's what we have normally in Windows for most of us. You have a whole bunch of applications open and you go between them pressing Alt-Tab. So I have a few things open right now. If I press Alt-Tab. So I have Total Recorder, which I'm using to record this, and TeamTalk, and a web browser, and Sonos. And often I have Thunderbird open for email and other things at the same time. Well, now we're up to four or five or six different windows. And if I start opening up Word documents or Notepad or other things like that, it gets a little crazy. What if there was a way to kind of sort these out, put uh, these in kind of a, what you maybe could call folders for desktops? Well, that's kind of what virtual desktops are. We have our main virtual desktop, which has all the applications. And of course, everything that I would open pops in on this virtual desktop. But for the past couple of years, Windows has had the ability to create a new desktop. So if I went to desktop number two, which I just created, and I called it test. I'm going to press Windows control right arrow. Test. Sonos desktop list. I'm on a new desktop. I can tell you that because if I arrow around. Kindle. Sonos selected. There's my desktop. Now, what if I alt tab here? Nothing. Because this is a new desktop. There's no applications on this desktop. Now, don't worry. Everything that I just showed you the that's open, Total Recorder and Sonos and all that stuff, it's not gone. It's over on desktop number one. If I press Control Windows left arrow. Desktop one. Stop. Button. Untitled asterisk. Total. And we're back to Total Recorder. And if I Alt-Tab. Sonos. Fact. Studio. Untitled. There it is. Everything is still there. So pretty much you're just kind of hiding it and pushing it off to the side. So if you have certain applications that maybe you're running, you need to run them in the background, they won't minimize the system tray, putting them in a virtual desktop could be a really interesting way to kind of keep those away from each other. Or perhaps, you know, maybe in my case, or someone who runs a business, maybe you want to put all your business-facing apps that you always keep open, email and websites and things like that, have them in one virtual desktop and then just go to that when you need it and then get away from it when you don't. So you might have noticed something new here. If I press Windows Control right arrow again. Test. Sonos. Desk. Uh, this desktop is called Test. That's a new feature, being able to rename a desktop. Before you heard them just called Desktop 1. Desktop 1. In fact, that's what it's called by default. Desktop 1, Desktop 2. Very exciting. And that's all that you could do until the spring 2020 update. So 
test. How did that happen? Well, there is a kind of a task manager or a task view for the virtual desktops and your recent applications. There's actually quite a few cool features here that I wasn't even aware of. So let me show you what we have here. Windows tab. So not alt tab, Windows tab. Main, untitled asterisk, total recorder, running applications, task view window. So task view window. So by default, it's going to list the applications in my current desktop that are open now. So if I press right and left arrow here. Sonos, untitled, Sonos, FAC, Studio, Team Talk 5, Classic V5.5. Ah, yes. So those are the applications that are open right now. And I can press enter on any one of them to open it. That's all fine and dandy. Renaming a desktop, though, is also available. So if I shift tab. Desktop 1, button, virtual desktops. Desktop 1, if I press right arrow. Test, button. You notice that one says test. So just like in Windows anywhere else, if you press F2 here. Edit, test. So if I change line. It, let's change it to test 1, 2, 3. Test. Test 123, button. And now I have renamed the desktop. So essentially what you do is you go to the desktop that you want to rename, press F2, and then you can rename the desktop. Oh, by the way, if you need to create a new virtual desktop, that is control Windows D. It will just make a new one. It'll call it desktop and a number until you rename it. You can also go into task view and you can create one there. Another feature that I kind of alluded to a second ago, though, and I wasn't even aware of this. This is really cool. Let me tab. Untitled asterisk, total recorder, running applications. These are running applications, but you ever close a window and like, oh, shoot, I need to get this back, but it's buried in some folder somewhere and you had to go through a whole bunch of extra steps. Well, let's press down arrow. Fact, frequently asked questions, total recorder, captures any audio from learn more. Dazzle, small priority mail international shipping label. Lit, selected, earlier today. Ah, there we go. So Dazzle is a piece of software that we use uh, sometimes for shipping packages for AT guys. And that's a program I had open earlier today. Not now, but that is a window that I had open earlier and I can press enter to bring that back. Or I can hit right arrow here. Dazzle, notepad, 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 dazzle. There's some various notepad windows that I had open, various files. I can even press down arrow again. Notepad, see all 18 activities, button, yes, word, operation, notepad, notepad, word, Google, notepad. And I see a various uh, amalgamation of Google Chrome and notepad and word windows that I've had open in the past couple of days. So it kind of keeps a history of what you had open. So it's like recent documents but for apps. Now there's one additional thing here and I'm not a huge fan of this approach, but this is what it is. Uh, if I tab again, button search desktop untitled. Yes. Button. Okay. This yes button. I had to tab a couple times to get to this is actually referring to an option that's available. So let me uh, kind of reveal what this is talking about. You will see up to 30 more days in timeline. You will see up to 30 days in timeline and be able to do more between devices if you choose to send Microsoft your activity history, including info about websites you browse and how you use apps and services. So, and I believe this is by default, uh, you're sending your activity history to Microsoft. And of course, in exchange for that, they dangle a carrot that will give you a feature of more history. Not a fan of that approach. I am keeping that off. Not a fan that they are dangling the fact that you can get more history by sending your data to Microsoft because th there's no reason to do that. I mean, <laughs> if we can sort two days of history on the computer, then you could sort 30. So for the same reason, I don't have the global clipboard 
feature enabled to save across devices. I just use it locally. I have this turned off. But if you want to do that, that's a possibility. You could click yes, and that would opt you into that, and then you would get even more history of your virtual desktops. So uh, there's even a couple more things that you can do. So let's go back to our desktop uh, one here. Yes, button. Stop. Where are we at here? Slider 100 per Sonos. Yeah, okay, we're on desktop one. So say we have Sonos here. And say I decided, actually, I want Sonos to be over on our test one, two, three, desktop two. So let me go back to the task view, Windows tab. Pane, Sonos, running applications, task view window. So that's the app that I currently have focused, Sonos. If I right-click on that or press the application key. Menu, snap left, menu item, unchecked, pop-up window, snap right, menu item, unchecked. Snap left, snap right, will move it to the previous or next desktop. Move to menu item, collapsed. Or you can move it to a specific virtual desktop, so you have several of them. Show this window on all desktops, menu item, unchecked. So that's interesting. Say there's something like your email program or some other app that you always want to have available, no matter where else you are. You could show the window everywhere. So that's another really interesting feature. Show windows from this app on all desktops, menu item, unchecked. And the same thing, show windows from this app on all desktops as well. So if you have an app that creates multiple windows, you could also show them on all desktops. Close, menu item. Or you can close or close as (laughs) it tries to read uh, the window there. So there's a lot of tinkering that you can do. And I think kind of akin to people's uh, systems for creating folders on their home screens or widgets if you're on Android, there's a lot of different ways to perhaps organize your desktop. So could be an interesting feature. Play with it. Let us know what you think. Feedback at blindbargains.com. And you can uh, let us know how you're getting on with virtual desktops. And if you come up with a really cool system or a way to organize them and perhaps increase your efficiency. Oh, by the way, I'm doing all this in a screen reader that you might not expect. Yes, I am using Narrator. And I have been through this entire demo. And in fact... As of the time of this recording, (laughs) in air quotes, because everything loves to change, hello, Ambios, Narrator is the only screen reader that I'm aware of that will actually tell you which virtual desktop you are on when you go between them. So again, control, Windows, left and right arrow. Test 100, desktop 1. It gives you the name. I saw a patch in for NVDA. Uh, It's a feature that's being discussed over there. I'm sure Jaws is looking into this as well. So I'm sure it'll come to the others as well. For the other screen readers right now, it just gives you pretty much silence between them. So, yes, I'm using Narrator. The Eloquent speech is coming from the uh, Sappy Eloquence add-on that's available from AT Guys. There's also Vocalizer as well. There's other voices that you can get as well. You're listening to the Blind Bargains Cast. Blind Bargains Cast. You're at the Blind Bargains cast talking about Braille transcription. There's a name that's synonymous with Braille transcription, Duxbury. We're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about another option that has recently gained all sorts of accessibility. I was going back in our archives, and we did an interview way back at CSUN 2010 about a program called Braille 2000. And what surprised me at the time is that There actually wasn't a lot of accessibility in Braille transcription software, which kind of, you know, it really threw me off because, you know, it's one of those things you just totally think is going to work. Well, that's changed. Jared Reimer is an accessibility consultant with Braille 2000, which now has a special edition that's completely accessible, has all sorts of really interesting features, and is here to talk about it. Jared, welcome to the podcast. 
thank you very much for having me. I really wanted to get going on this right away. We released uh, November 2019, uh, shortly before Thanksgiving. I know it was the holidays, and I you know, was wanting to get as much publication as possible. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you on. And uh, I know it took us a little time to get to you with all the, the holidays and everything else going on and then COVID and everything else. But uh, Isn't that awful? I mean, I've basically been furloughed from Braille Institute, even though I'm a volunteer. I haven't gone anywhere in you know, since March 11th, and I don't really know what day it is. My calendar tells me, <laughs> my calendar tells me what day it is, you know, if I have anything to do, and I show up. Other than that, I've been in my location. For, yeah, same here, absolutely. You know, that's really interesting. So, Braille transcription, something you've done for a long time, and something you can totally do from home. Uh, tell us a bit about how you got into that, and then we'll kind of segue into how Braille 2000 has helped you, and how you've worked well, with Well, I, I kind of started in the 90s with Megadots. Wow. Karen Navy, David Holliday, and Aaron Leventhal were behind that project. Karen, as you know, is blind, and Bob actually saw her in a Wisconsin trip he took recently to do some training there and he sat in and saw them uh they're a lot older now of course uh, megadots is now deceased one of the things that i wanted to do was go back to them because i knew they were already accessible but duxbury's website said we're no longer providing it and it's not updated to ueb and i'm like crap right so duxbury bought megadots many years ago and yep I knew about that, and that was a sad day. Megadots was awesome. But, of course, Duxbury's been along just as long as Megadots. So those are the names that everyone knows. And then, how, So how do you end up over at Braille 2000, which is a name that hardly anyone has heard of? How did I end up getting at Braille 2000? Uh, well, I knew about Braille Blaster, but I was a little hesitant because... It's a free program, and we all know what happens with free. I wasn't sure how it worked. I knew nobody that used it, and I went to somebody who actually was involved with Menvi as long as I have. Menvi's your music, music uh, education. So that, that stands for the Music Education Network for the Visually Impaired, which has been around since 1997. It's an entity now. We don't have a headquarters, sadly, anymore, but we provide music and help to people who are blind. You know, parents of and teachers, you know, can ask for help. You know, they can get help and all sorts of stuff. The website's menvi.org, M-E-N-V-I.org. Awesome. So that's Sorry, you, you mentioned that. I didn't mean to sidetrack you, but no, no, no. Not people no, no, listeners no. know what that was. So It's fine. So Bob Stepp, who you interviewed back in 2010 is still around. He was known as Computer Application Specialty Corporation. He has a very interesting story. He actually met the godmother of Braille music, Betty Krolluk, and designed a computer program to help with her Braille writer to be able to do Braille music way back in the day. So he, he's been doing this type of work for a hell of a long time. He's wow. fully sighted, by the way. I emailed over there and said, I want to start the Braille transcription course. I want to get certified so I can, you know, officially do work as a transcriptionist. And 
I'm looking for something low cost or free, and I think I ended up calling because it had been some time. I didn't know what what the turnaround right. was, and I got to talking to him, and he gave me a license in exchange for allowing feedback. And so I tested the document processing edition. I did some stuff for Braille Institute, changing a few files that needed a little bit of fixing and learning the program. And then I started the transcription course and it turned interesting because when Bob saw my files, not only was I reporting bugs, specific transcription bugs, like I was using six key and you hit two, three, six and in the print copy, you know, went to review it in JAWS, it wasn't giving the quote mark. It actually, Bob said it was doing the simulated braille thing, which JAWS won't read anyhow. And so he had to go fix that among a bunch of other stuff that I found while doing six key work. It was quite interesting. Hmm. That's how that got started. In March, 2019, he decided to do what we call the talking edition. I'm calling it the assistant. Now here's the catch. And here's a big problem. NVDA will not work in this program. It will work in the menus, but it will not read in the reading window environment. Because this is a custom window that Bob built it himself, he has it working with JAWS. I did send email to NVDA asking for their assistance to get it working, but it sort of died. So currently, the even this, the, this edition, right, the assistive edition, or the assistant, as you called it, the talking edition, it, the best combination would be that and JAWS, right? That, well, you can use that and NVDA, because it, NVDA won't talk anyway, so getting it set up with full speech is simple, because the dialogues will talk. Right. Oh, because they read through SAPI, Windows SAPI. Correct. So that does mean you could use it in whatever screen reader. That's one of the the, the advantages of this. But the caveat is, is if you use NVDA, you have to use this edition because it will not speak otherwise. JAWS will speak in this window. And even in Braille view, it will read the text even the ASCII equivalent of the Braille if you have all the punctuation turned on. So it will do that if you understand that. We don't know how this works with Braille displays. I had one person try it with a Braille display and they were reporting back to me and it seems to work, but I don't really have good experience with this. So we want to find people who are interested in this who have a Braille display that could really give us some feedback on how this works. I don't know how we could fix anything wrong, but it will work with, by the, with the default 40 cell by 25. Great. Well, we'll get your contact info at the end as well. Let's, uh, let's backtrack for just a second. So my Braille transcription experience is certainly nothing professional. I'm used to bringing a file into a program, hitting translate, and then hitting emboss. So obviously there's a lot more to it as a transcriptionist or a professional transcriber with a certification. There's a lot more to it. So talk about some of the differences in what um, what Braille 2000 does to kind of enable that extra level of human transcription. We have a lot, including what Bob calls percent codes. 
So if you don't want to work in Braille 2000 itself, you can work in Word and save your file as an RTF, a rich text file, and import that into Braille 2000 using very specific percent codes, such as indent, block, 1-3, or 1-3, sorry, it's 1-3, list, and many, many more. So you just type these into the document, like percent sign. Yeah, percent indent. sign. So you could type percent sign indent on a line of its own. Then anything that you type until you change it is indented, otherwise known in the transcription world as 3-1 paragraph. So what if you wanted to change this as an example, the level of the indent? Is that a different code or is that like an option in the... You can, we call it percent X dash Y or 3 dash 5, 5 dash 7, or you can do percent indent 2, percent indent 3, etc. So in other words, for people who are of a more, either a more technical nature or really prefer controlling a file by commands as opposed to trying to visually do everything, which doesn't always work for, for us as blind people. This seems like a really interesting and viable alternative than the, the uh, percent codes. But you can do in Braille 2000, you can go in the menus like adjust paragraph and change the style of the paragraph using the radio buttons, which have every possible combination one 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 three one five one seven one nine one eleven even a custom so if you wanted two dash four what is what what are the two i get the second number is the number of spaces right or what's the yes the what's indent the level so it's it's number of spaces in and then the run over okay okay so it'll be so if you wanted indent to run over four which isn't legal but you can set that as a custom Run over meaning the next line. Oh, so yeah. the first okay. line is two cells in. When it runs over to the next line, it'll be four cells in. The list format is at the margin and it runs over to line three, uh, cell three. Yeah, and these are the types of little things that automatic transcription usually isn't going to pick up correctly, or if it tries to guess, it's often going to be wrong. So that's where, you know, especially when you're looking at doing textbooks or longer files, you know, that's where that human transcription comes in, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Now, Braille 2000's Talking Edition can give you the style. It can read the paragraph. It can read the document. It can tell you about what, you know, where you are on the document. If you're in Braille view, you turn on the keyboard it is hooked directly into Braille 2000, so it will tell you, you know, grade one symbol instead of L semicolon, which is what JAWS would report back or NVDA would report back. So you can basically put JAWS to sleep. What I would do is do insert space S just to shut it up. And then I could use Braille 2000 to type in Braille using the SDF and JKL keys to be able to do that. The first 12 lessons of the, of the course tell you to use that. And it got me into a lot of trouble because I did do it. But then I started getting my assignments Braille thanks to um, Braille Institute. And I was able to find my errors and correct them and, and do. And I started that at four. 
and I'm on 19. I'm on the final assignment. You're on the home is, stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a transcription of a book. It's a portion of a book and they want, you know, special symbols. And Bob actually implemented this special symbols thing. You import this file and it goes through the file and it only picks out the special symbols that are in that file. And you can edit it to take out the colon, the capital sign, the semicolon, and things that aren't necessary unless you're dealing with a younger reader. He got this whole list from Appendix G from formats and put this into this file. And you can import that file and it knows how to do that. So it creates that list, yeah, which you see in a lot of Braille books at the beginning special symbols used in this volume, especially now important with the UEB and a lot of different symbols. And and do you realize, it's a little bit off topic, but we had two copies of a book, one the eBay version and the other the UEB version. The difference, about a page. Mm. And the difference is, is that, you know, the eBay symbols is about maybe a page of Braille. Oh, now it's going to be a lot more. The UEB symbols list is about two or three or four. Yeah, which is funny because if you're reading through the middle of a book, like, you're really going to be able to memorize four pages of symbols. I guess you can go back and reference it. Which is what I've ended up having to do, but... Right. I mean, do you as a transcriber have every one of those memorized by now? Right. Oh, hell no. (laughs) I mean, they, they took me through foreign language as part of this course, and I'm like, I have no idea how this freaking works <laughs> yeah it, it can really get, get uh convoluted and interesting i love this line um but you, you say the talking edition is the, i think it was on their side the talking edition is the only one the known product that can read contracted braille as naturally spoken prose prose is text yep and so you can work in braille view and to read the line i'll just give you the example you hit Control QL. Now, here's the thing. I finally put it in Bob's head. I mean, he's he's a Shrek guy, but it took him a little while. I said, Bob, I can't hit some of these commands because they're two-handed. And he goes, all I do is, is you know, look at the keyboard. And I said, Bob, that doesn't work for a blind person. We need a, a thing to be able to... to, to do this so we now implemented what's called the quick command dialog box which is discussed in the audio tutorial and the text tutorial and what that does is you can hit control qq you can look at the reference guide to see what command you need you just type l to read the line and it'll read the line you can stay in braille view and it will read that line and you're welcome to take any clips from any of the tutorial material from my website if you would like to put them into this recording for people to hear what it sounds like you're welcome to do that it's you have a yeah you have a short one maybe that we can you know like a minute or two that we can i do it will be file 100 which will do the read to end all right we'll drop that in right here i'm going to hit alt k on my keyboard for the speak menu and arrow down to read if you would like keyboard commands, it's Alt K R. Alt K menu cells code document engine field line page num paragraph quick com read R. Enter Braille key, 2000 menus. LLC. 
6801 South Fork Circle Lincoln, Nebraska 68516 Phone 402-423-4782 Fax 402-423-5154 HTTP colon slash slash www.braill2000.com November 11th, 2019 Braille 2000 Voice Braille 2000, the talking edition is a self-voicing extension to the document processing edition. Cool. And that hopefully gives people a little more understanding of uh, how exactly uh, it sounds and it works. Now, you're doing this in in SAPI, meaning you could use various voices. You can use various voices. Windows 10 comes with two. I ended up switching to the female voice because I wasn't digging the other one. And since I've talked to you last before January... I ended up having an experience and found out later that I have bilateral hearing loss. Yeah, I mean, so having those different voices. Now, if they're hooking directly into SAPI, would it also be possible to hook directly into the various screen reader uh, hooks that are available, like that other Windows apps have been doing? Bob isn't knowledgeable enough to know how to do that. If somebody would like to teach us, I mean, you know, he, I mean, JAWS works, right? But if you're in Braille view, it's going to try and read the the screen in in Braille, and of course that's ASCII equivalent, so it's not going to be the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. When you try to read ASCII equivalent Braille, some of us end up memorizing it because we know it, but it's not I, the, the, not the ideal. Yeah. I'm I'm one of them. I mean, that's how I was able to pass you know the first several lessons before I realized right. you know what I, I've got to get this Braille. <laughs> it's not it's not the ideal thing to especially trying to type in it. It can get a little a little messy. Uh, one of the really cool things that was true before and still remains true um, as far as obtaining this is that you don't have to buy uh, the whole thing at once. So it's nine ninety five outright. It's but nine ninety five or, thir- or thirty thirty a month in perpetuity, right? Or is that the that eventually end? It's um, it's like a lease, right? Yeah, it's a lease to own. You don't have to pay for it every month. So if you don't need it. You just don't pay, just like the versions earlier. What was the reasoning? Uh, I noticed that this edition does cost a bit more than the a others more. that are out there. Mainly labor and development. You know, he, it's a one-man company, so he's tra- gonna, he knows he's not going to sell a whole lot. But it's basically the, from upgrading the document processing edition to the talking edition is costing you 50 bucks. So that's Yeah, I say to be fair, it's I think it's that or it's what $4 difference a month. So it isn't when I say more, it isn't a lot more. It's no, just, no. Yeah. No. It's an upgrade price. It's basically the upgrade price if you already own it is what the difference is. So this works on this, w- this Windows, works, right? Yep, this works on Windows. We do not I was asked this, so I want to make it clear, we do not have any plans of making this available for the Mac. Somebody asked on a different program if it'll be available on the mac the answer is no you can run a windows emulator and and run it sure but we're not going to develop for the mac i don't have one i did need to learn how to use it for a specific purpose but my mac skills are pretty much gone because i used it in 2016 and i haven't touched a mac and i don't have one here so there is a demo available um, as well. So if you want to try this out, which, which I would recommend for a product of this nature, it's always good to try these things out. Now, of course, you can't use it for production Braille, but uh, 
people but can you get can the try demo. it. You can save files. You, we we support all of the major file types. We even save in Duxbury. I had to do that for my instructor because when I sent the BRF and he marked me off for not having a page number on the first page, I opened up my file and I said, there is a page number. I see it here. And then he comes back and goes, oh, Duxbury has automatic first page suppression page numbering turned on. <laughs> so, but you have, so you have all the interoperability interoperability then right so you can you could bring in duxbury files uh we can, can but mm -hmm. we don't recommend resaving duxbury files we would recommend saving them in a different format but we can import duxbury is that because files. of your the percent codes and things like that you're talking about no the percent codes are different it's the back translation process through fair enough yeah you know, we can import duxbury files but we, we're not going to guarantee that saving the same file is going to you know yield the same results awesome well great i'm very excited for this i'm uh interested in uh, learning more about it and i appreciate you uh coming on sorry it took us a while to get to you but uh, we do it's appreciate all good. it it's all good yeah, we do appreciate it uh you have uh, we have the official I website have an entire i have an entire website which yes. covers the transcription course all the way through 16 i've sort of dropped covering 17 through 19 but i do want to get back into that i think covid sort of got me into one of those i don't feel like doing this and then i <laughs> yeah I've, uh, it's tough to get motivated yeah. sometimes so yeah go ahead and give out your your website and the, the brow 2000 site as well so okay so my website is jaredreimer.info j-a-r-e-d-r-i-m-e-r.info it has an audio version of the tutorial. We have a 275 meg zip file, or you can download them in sections. It's basically the same thing you'll find in the document repository, but it's in audio form. And in certain sections, I actually demo some of the concepts, especially when it comes to what we call the quick commands, the control Q. Yep. Those are heavily demoed. So, People have said it's a little slow. I said I didn't want to read too fast, but there's also demoing involved and explanations on how this came to be. And I want people to be able to understand it without, if I'm too slow, just speed me That's up. So you could always play it a 2X, right? Or <laughs> you, know, you know, Bob actually reviewed this tutorial before it went live and he said it was fine. So those people who think it's too slow, it's not going to bother me if you have to speed me up. I would rather you <laughs> use your controls than for me to try and stumble because I'm reading the documentation and then explaining it in parts so you understand it. I've been teaching for 20 plus years, so I have some knowledge of how to do this and I think I've done a good job with it you just need to learn it and play with it you can't break it i found practically a bunch of bugs with it and we've had them fixed i think it's rock solid i think it will work and if something doesn't work the way that you would like we want to hear from you so that we can have it fixed it doesn't take bob long to fix it so yeah you go know? ahead and give us the uh, the uh the braille 2000 website and then how people can contact if they do find bugs or if they have uh the Braille Features. 2000 website is braille2000.com. Braille spelled out, B-R-A-I-L-L-E 
com, and there's contact information on my website for both of us. I provide text messaging capability, WhatsApp, and so forth for those of you who want to utilize it. I provide Bob's contact information on my website, but Bob also has contact information there at Braille2000 on the homepage. Again, the website is braille2000.com. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. JJ here with a new product that I think a lot of you are going to love. It's a new USB headset microphone. There's so many of us these days doing meetings on Zoom and Google Meet and other platforms. And in my opinion, there's nothing more important than sounding great. So the other people on the call or chat can actually hear and understand what you are trying to say. Audio is important. This headset microphone is both comfortable, affordable, and it sounds great. This is the V7 USB on-ear headset microphone available now from ATGuys.com. This is an on-ear USB headset microphone. So the cups rest on your ears. They don't go over your ears. So they are very comfortable to wear. The mic is a boom mic, which you can adjust more than 300 degrees. So mostly if you're going to be talking, you'll have it facing in front of you like I have it now. But if I want to push it out of the way, I can point it up or even point it behind me. And now I'm pointing it back to the front. There we go. Now, right now I have it, so the microphone is on my left side, but because that mic rotates, I could easily flip the headset around and wear it if I would rather have the microphone on my right side. Another really cool feature of this is the long cord, which both has a volume and mute button. So the cord is almost two meters long. That's almost six feet. It has volume up and down buttons. It has a little clip that you could clip to your belt if you'd like, and it has a mute button. So if you want to cut out your background noise or the kids, the dog starts making noise, I just press the mute button. And as you can hear, it cuts out all of the audio. I think that hardware mute button is very convenient. You don't have to think around trying to figure out where the mute button is on the computer, whatever app you're trying to use. It's always in the same spot right here on the microphone. It's a long rectangular button on the cord for mute. Right below that are two square buttons for up and down volume. And both the mute and volume buttons are very tactile and easy to find. Like I said, it's a USB mic, so it's just plug and play. Plug it into your computer, Windows or Mac, and it will work just fine. No extra drivers or anything else required. Once again, this is the V7 USB headset microphone. It's available now from ATGuys.com for $39.95. So that's www.ATGUIS.com. If you have any questions, just email support at ATGuys.com or give us a call at 269-216-4798. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. You're listening to the Blind Bargains cast. I mentioned earlier in this episode uh, some new features for Narrator. And while Narrator doesn't have anything crazy this time around, there are a few new things and a lot of polish. As Narrator has evolved over the past couple of years, they've been adding a lot of polish, kind of making things work really smoothly to the point where I've actually a couple times, especially using Eloquence, I forgot I was running Narrator. I know, it's a little crazy. My favorite new feature has to do with something that other screen readers have done for a minute, and that is dealing with tones to indicate which mode you are on in a website. Narrator calls this scan mode, NVDA calls it browse mode, JAWS calls it forms mode. So if I go over to Chrome, 
Sonos, untitled app fact, frequent main features. You just heard that. Ba-doop. That is means we are in scan mode. So no item in home. Oops, here we go. To get no next edit box. To get missing image descriptions. So we are in Chrome. If I want to turn on and off scan mode in, in narrator, it is narrator plus space. So for me, that's caps lock space. That's scan off. That means I could type in the form fields and such. And if I press it again, scan on. Before it used to say scan on, scan off, which of course could get very obnoxious, and the tones are much, much, much easier. Links as well. Blank, home, site map, total recorder, site map. You just hear a very soft, faint click. I almost wish it was a little bit louder. I know you don't want to be too obnoxious with sounds, but it's a really soft click, and that's indicating a, a link. So how does this happen? This is a new narrator sound setting. It's kind of deep in the options, so if you do control... Windows N. Settings. Turn on narrator. Toggle switch. On. Use narrator. And by the way, you don't even have to be in narrator to go into this settings screen. You can do this from any screen reader if you just want to explore and see what's out there. So you can kind of set up narrator while you're in JAWS or NVDA and then come over here to actually turn it on. So this is kind of deep in the uh, settings. So about, I'm going to tab quite a few times here. Open that's the one you're looking for. Okay. What was that, about 10 or 15 different tabs? Uh, I do not believe there's a keyboard shortcut hotkey for this one yet. Here only sounds. Here only sounds for common actions. For common actions is what you are looking for. That will turn this feature on. If you turned it off, you'd go back to hearing the scan on, scan off, and such for web pages. Like I said, Narrator does have some other new features. We've linked to it all at blindbargains.com. Some improvements, especially for Outlook users, uh, some additional web page stuff as well. Oh, and it works with Firefox. Who ever thought that Narrator was going to work with Firefox? Of course, that's because of some of the inner workings of browsers and the way they work. They were able to do that. But really cool. So now you can use it with all of the major modern browsers, Firefox, Chrome, and Edge. If you're looking for Internet Explorer support, you're never going to get it and stop using it. (laughs) I know we've said that many times before. Hopefully that point has been driven into your head by now. So... If you have any feedback or questions, you can email us, feedback at blindbargains.com. That's going to do it, folks. Episode 212. Thank you so much to Patrick Perdue for dealing with everything and all the rearranging of episodes and things like that and putting all the puzzle pieces together. We'll have Joe back, I'm sure, probably in the next one. I don't know what he's going to do yet, but we'll find out as we get into the uh, virtual convention season. Lots more over on our website, blindbargains.com. You can leave us feedback there. You can email feedback at blindbargains.com. Joe is on Twitter at Ranger Station, all one word. And uh, we have several things up on the website, including a post that a few weeks ago about the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, which thankfully is gaining a lot of traction and really is something that we should all be taking seriously. So definitely uh, check that out and let's have a dialogue on how we can uh, work together on you know, it, making this the world the same world for everyone, regardless of the color of your skin. There's actually going to be a nice uh, panel discussion during the NFB convention with several black leaders in the NFB, which is great to hear. We'll definitely be following that one on Zoom. That convention, by the way, is entirely free to listen to on Zoom. 
So we'll have more to say about that, I am sure, going forward. Thanks again to Jared Reimer for coming on talking about Braille 2000. And that's braille2000.com if you want to get more information about that. We have more coming up. We don't know in the coming weeks. Game demos and reviews. I owe Ricky another cooking kitchen show. And we're going to make some cool stuff there. Plus your ideas. And of course, your submissions always welcome. If you have an idea, if you want to record a segment, if you want to demo a new product that you got for Christmas or birthday or whatever, just let us know. Feedback at blindbargains.com. We'd love to include you in the Blind Bargains cast. We'd love to take uh, your sponsors as well. If you want to sponsor the podcast, that is always an option as well. That's going to do it, folks. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2020.